and welcome to another edition of the e-commerce evolution podcast. I'm your host, Brett Curry, CEO of OMG Commerce, and this is the podcast dedicated to what's new and what's next in e-commerce. Today, we are talking about data and we're gonna get super nerdy and I can't begin to tell you how excited I was to schedule this interview and then the interview was even better than I thought it would be. So I'll talk about that in a second. First though, I wanna talk about an upcoming event that I think you should check out. So depending on when you're listening to this, this may or may not be relevant, but the Content and Commerce Summit taking place September 18th through the 20th of 2017 in Los Angeles. I'm gonna be one of the speakers there talking about uh, busting through paid search silos and, and working on paid search to grow multi-channel and some other interesting things. But this event is all about e-commerce, content marketing. It's going to be phenomenal. Put on by the folks at Digital Marketer, Ryan Dice and Perry Belcher and Roland Frazier. Uh, great guys. Love those guys and their, their whole team. So check that out. So today, as we talk about analytics, uh, my guest is Charles Farina. He is the uh, head of growth and development at Analytics Pros. I met him at Internet Retailer IRCE in Chicago back in June. We were chatting at the booth. I immediately thought this guy is fascinating. I've got to get him on the podcast, and, and he agreed. And so we dig into analytics data. We talk about everything from how your technical implementation may be wrong to how you may be measuring worthless metrics that are not helping you make good decisions. And so we actually get into a couple controversial topics on some worthless metrics. I think you're going to actually enjoy that. We do talk about then, okay, if we avoid worthless metrics, what are the metrics we need to measure? We talk about things like advanced segments in Google Analytics and creating cohorts. We talk about enhanced e-commerce and custom metrics and calculated metrics and some other stuff that you've probably never heard of. Uh, super fun, uh, while some of it may be potentially a little too technical for some of your liking. I think it's still very practical, business-oriented, and I link to a lot of resources, so check those out at ecommerceevolution.com. And so with that, please enjoy my interview with Charles Farina. This episode of the Ecommerce Evolution podcast is brought to you by Zipify Pages, taking the pain out of building powerful, high-converting e-commerce landing pages. If you're on Shopify, you have to check out Zipify Pages and also one-click upsells built by my friend and e-commerce entrepreneur, Ezra Firestone. Check it out at zipify.com. Well, hello and welcome to another edition of the e-commerce evolution podcast. Today, folks, we are going to get a little bit nerdy and we're going to be talking about data and analytics. And I'm super excited because this is one of those areas where if you if you understand this and if you use this in a practical way, you can make a lot more money and really grow your business like you've never been able to before. And so my guest today is Mr. Charles Farina from Analytics Pros. He's the director of growth and development, super smart guy, excited to dive in. Charles, uh, thanks for joining us and welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Really excited to be here. Yeah. And Lots of burning questions. We were, I, I couldn't even wait. Like as we were talking pre-recording, I was firing all kinds of analytics questions your way, which I appreciate you answering. And so we're going to dig into a lot of that and and get a little bit nerdy, but but also stay very practical and actionable today. And so if you would, Charles, though, give us just kind of the brief background. How did how, how did you get to this place? How did you become you know an analytics master? 
Yeah. So I've been in this space, I think for about 10 years now. So right now I work for analytics pros. We are one of Google's largest resellers of the Google analytics 360 suite. So I, I have the fortune of working with clients like GoPro, Zoomies, Coach, and many others. Um, so I got into this space about 10 years ago when I was at college at the University of Wyoming. So I had some general marketing internships, got to play with SEO, SEM, email, and also got to have my hands in analytics. And I quickly discovered that I hated SEO. SEM was too minute for my liking, um, but I really enjoyed the analytics space. And that was the data that helped everything else. Um, so I got to actually re-implement the GA on my entire college website. And after doing that, I felt like I was an expert and that's what I wanted to go out and do. So I actually ended up going to a conference, paid my own way to go there in California, um, to see how much I really knew. And it was at that conference that, um, Google released multi-channel funnels and all sorts of other Google Analytics things happened. But at that same conference, I realized I knew nothing about analytics. <laughs> yeah. And everything I had been doing for the last two years was wrong. And I had broken like the entire analytics implementation. <laughs> but it was at that moment I knew that every single day there'd be something new to learn. There'd be some new application. And it just really excited me. And I knew at that moment that I wanted to go all in on just getting everything I could ever know about analytics. So in doing that, I got my internships um, at one of the uh, first Google Analytics partners, and then I transitioned to Enor, or I'm sorry, Analytics Pros, which is uh, the conference was actually founded by the founder of our company. So that's how I ended up where I am today. Gotcha. That that's super cool. And and you were telling me before we recorded that that Analytics Pros has been around since the urchin days, which you have to be a pretty you're pretty into Google's history to remember the the urchin days. That's pre Google Analytics, correct? So, so your founder was working with urchin back in the day, and then transitioned to Google Analytics once that launched. Yeah, yeah exactly. Our founder worked with the old urchin, which was more of the server side application, which Google really doesn't do anymore. There's there's no server side um, analytics anymore. Yeah, I appreciate you you being transparent about your background and saying that. You know, you you uh, implement you learned some things in college, implemented GA for the the university website, thought you knew everything, and then realized you didn't. And and I found you know just usually the the, the points when you feel like you know I've I've got this thing mastered, like I, I I've got this thing down. That's usually when you probably don't know what the heck you're doing, because uh, the more the more you know, the more you realize I don't. This is so complex and so huge, such a huge area. Um, cool. Well, we are going to do our best to enlighten the audience and help you guys know more and be able to make better decisions when it comes to analytics. And so uh, you know, where I'd like to kind of start, Charles, is just what mistakes do you see people make, and specifically e-commerce merchants, what mistakes do they make with the, the technical implementation? So kind of the tracking and technical piece. You know, you've got to get good data, good clean data to be able to make good decisions but we run into so many people that just have issues with clean data and there are errors there. So what are some of the more common tracking and technical issues you see? Yeah, this is, this is my favorite area. So I'll share all the mistakes that I've made to, to hopefully help, help you. Okay. So I think the biggest mistake, uh, which actually leads to many of the technical issues, is there's never a strategy that's put in place for analytics. So especially for companies um, that don't have a serious team for analytics, and it's, it's just a few people, 
it's oftentimes the case where there's a few different people who are kind of on their own in charge of maintaining and implementing analytics. And often what happens is what they're doing doesn't map to the overall strategic um, needs of the larger organization. So you end up with situations where that stakeholder leaves and no one knows what was set up, what things mean. And oftentimes it's just full of mistakes and then you end up having to start over. So that strategy is really, I think, the most important piece. And it takes time and it takes planning. And it's really that mindset of making analytics a forethought rather than an afterthought. And can you talk just a little bit about that? The, so the strategy piece, that, that's where we're saying we're, we're trying to get a clear picture of, of what we're trying to measure and why and, and, and just thinking through the process. What, what do you mean specifically when you're talking data strategy? So when I, when I look for strategy for, for our clients, like these enterprises I mentioned, um, when I'm looking to kind of gauge their maturity, some of the things I look for are, have they defined what their conversions are? And that's, that's kind of an obvious, like transactions, um, add to carts, but have they also defined the micro conversions along the way? And do they even have a funnel to measure, measure the shopping cart and the product um, interactivity that leads to that final outcome? And oftentimes there's not. And then when you, when you relate back to the overall marketing goals, there's oftentimes a lot of gaps in actually the attribution side. So being able to tie cost to a conversion tends to be one of the more challenging areas where we spend a lot of time fixing. Um, so really it's, it's, it's that high level, just foundational data set and that's missing. And I see a lot of these organizations trying to do deeper, deeper type um, exercises like merchandising or UX or UI. And they're doing that on top of a data set where the basics aren't even in place and they aren't even accurate. Makes for a really unsteady, unstable foundation because you're, you're, you're going to be bound to make bad decisions without that, that accurate data. And, and just to, to clarify what you were saying before, I think a lot of people got it immediately, but the uh, you know, we're looking at kind of the, the macro versus micro conversions. Macro conversions would, would be, you know, for an e-commerce merchant making a sale. So, I, so, so someone bought something on my, my site. But some of these micro conversions along the way may be, you know, watching a video or, or, or visiting multiple pages or even going to a product detail page or other things. So, so influencing these little steps that, that buyers take, you know, that, that indicate they have interest and then that, that causes them, helps them to convert and, and so what you're saying is being able to measure those micro conversions, influence more of those so that you can get more purchases and more of the macro as well. Yeah. And, and, and what you're measuring has to, again, relate to the larger organization and their needs and not the needs of that individual or what they think is important. So like one of the things Google Analytics is great at is, um, is, is measuring ma marketing channels. So identifying what traffic's coming to the site, where it's from, and then what they're doing on the site. But oftentimes, um, it, you, you have to actually go in and define naming conventions and campaign strategy around how you're going to tag your Facebook and your Twitter and your email campaigns so they show up correctly in GA. And even that's an example where oftentimes that analytics or a single campaign, like the, the, the manager of the AdWords, is actually defining the naming conventions for the larger organization and then there's no standardization and those needs aren't the same or what they should have been if they were being kind of influenced at a higher level. So it's just really important to really, again, layer on that strategy with, with that foundation of everything you're putting in place. 
Got it. Makes sense. What, what other technical or, or tracking implementation mistakes do you see do you see e-commerce companies make? Yeah, so we can get specific. So, um, I mean, there's some just basic stuff. So a lot, a lot of what I see as an example, most users of Google Analytics just have the foundation. So um, they're just really tracking page views. They may be tracking transactions, but it's essential to be using events Events in Google Analytics allow you to track everything that happens after a page load. So whether someone's clicking on a PDF, what they're watching, um, whether or not they're adding or removing something from the bag. And this is an area where um, I often see those set up incorrectly. So they're either missing or the naming conventions aren't right. Um, But really, in order to actually have an analytics that works, um, you have to be using events. And that's an example that ties into what we were talking about before, about funnels. Um, I rarely ever see a funnel that's been set up that actually works and is accurate. And that's just like the most basic thing for many of these e-commerce clients is measuring someone from checkout start through to transaction. So billing, shipping, review. And you need to use events and those events need to be correct. Um, So that funnel setup is a huge area where we see the technical implementations incorrect. And a lot of the time that's happening because no one's actually done the comparison between what's tracking in their analytics tool versus what's tracking in their back end. So when someone comes up with an insight and saying, oh, there's something wrong with our cart and they go show an executive and then the executive says, well, those aren't the actual number of sales we had. Um, it ends up being a huge issue because no one actually validated that the data coming in was actually correct. So really just getting that foundation in place is, is the biggest issue and mistake I see. And, and it's a, a huge area for focus and time. Got it. And, you know, GA and, and Google Analytics is, is what we're saying when we reference GA, just, just in case anybody didn't know. But, uh, the, you know, they, they are getting better and better at just out of the box being a very useful, practical tool. But it still requires some customization and you, and you have to give it some thought and you have to like naming conventions like you're talking about before when you're setting up custom parameters for campaigns and things like that. So, so this is where putting some thought into GA and not just turning it on uh, makes a, a huge difference. So uh, next question, cause I think this is, this is kind of the next step. So we can either have inaccurate, you know, messy data where, we see, hey, the total number of transactions in GA does not match what we see in the back end of our site. And, and there's often a little discrepancy, but if, that, if that's a huge discrepancy, you got to start worrying. So, so there are technical implementation issues, but then there's also, I think, mistakes that are made in terms of what you're measuring. So what, what are some of your favorite examples of worthless metrics that people cling to and measure? And maybe worthless isn't the best way to describe it, but that's more dramatic. Uh, maybe it's just, you know, metrics that are not all that helpful. Uh, what, what would make that list? No, oh, I, I love the term of worthless. Okay, so, all right, good. I mean, this is going to be a theme you're going to hear me hear me talking about. If, if all you've done in Google Analytics was install the tracking code on every page, the setup and the information you're getting, I feel, is largely worthless. Um, and the reason why, again, is it ties to it's not actually measuring what's happening. And more importantly, it's not measuring what happened. What, what actually matters is what I mean. So when we talk about worthless metrics, um, a lot of what I feel strongly are, are really the basics. So we can take something simple like a bounce rate. So bounce rate is one of the most widely looked at metrics, which is telling us what percentage of our traffic comes to our site and views a single page and then leaves without viewing anything else, right? So they're single page visits. 
bounce rate is a horrible metric by default. And I think it's widely used incorrectly. And the reason why is by default, um, you would think you want a low bounce rate, right? You want everyone to view more than two pages. But when you're looking at it at an aggregate level, it's not telling you what's actually important for your type of analysis. So a lot of e-commerce clients will also have support um, sections of their website or they'll have blog sections of their website. And if you have a support section, you would actually want an extremely high bounce rate because you want people to land on that support article for that support article to answer their question and for them never to come back um, to the support section. That would be a success. And blogs almost always have single page visits, so you're going to have a high bounce rate. So that's a perfect example where if you're not actually segmenting your traffic and your audience, you're looking at a, a, a worthless metric because if you're driving or experience an increase in blog traffic, that's going to start shifting your bounce rate higher, even though it really has nothing to do with what's happening on your actual store. And in addition, um, when, when you're looking at an e-commerce site, um, there's a lot of um, sites that have longer funnels or longer kind of purchase cycles. So you'll have users that come and they're looking for product information and then sometime later they come back and they convert. So remember, a bounce rate is a single page visit. So if you have, for example, a page where there's all sorts of product information, they can scroll and look at different images, they can watch a video about that product, and all that happens without them leaving that page, by default, if you're not tracking that video or those carousel clicks with events in GA, GA will still treat that as a bounce. So that's, again, where I often see that there's, no, there's not been that strategy of actually defining what's a meaningful visit. And in today's world with how websites work, there's a lot of instances where someone interacts with a single page and that page is actually a successful visit in my mind. But because the analytics haven't been set up to define it that way, it's inaccurate. And so bounce rate, I think, is a, a wildly worthless metric because no one's actually set it up correctly. I totally 100% agree. And we see this with Google Shopping quite a bit. So Google Shopping is, is something we specialize in. We help craft Google Shopping campaigns. And it's interesting, every now and then we'll, we'll get a client that really zeroes in on bounce rate, right? It's what, whether they read it in a book or a blog post or something, they're like, we got we to drive down the bounce rate. Uh, what we see with Google Shopping as an example is sometimes that bounce can be a success because that's all the visitor wanted to do is, you know, I'm, I'm looking at Google Shopping. It's a comparison shopping engine. I'm looking and comparing different products. So I landed directly on your product detail page. And there I was able to watch a video and look at reviews and, and check out this product. I'm not ready to buy today. I'm going to come back later. But that's all I wanted to do. So I got my questions answered on the page and I left. And so if you just look at bounce rate, you really have no way of knowing did they look at the page and they left because it wasn't what they looked for or was it just a great page and all their questions were answered and so they left? And so that's where I think doing what you're talking about and measuring events, that's that's one of the steps in, in correcting that issue, right? Yep. Uh, because then that, if someone completes an event on a page, then and that's no longer a bounce, correct? Exactly. And, and that ties into a, maybe an even more controversial view. So conversion rate. When that's, that's one of the most basic metrics that's sacred to everyone, right? What is your e-commerce conversion rate? So the way Google Analytics defines that is it's the percentage of sessions on your website or visits divided by the number of transactions that occur. So right there, like that is a horrible metric because it's so easy to 
manipulate that really easily. Because again, when you're looking at your different audiences, right? If, if all of a sudden your marketing team is successful and driving more interest to your blog, right away, your blog users, very few are ever going to go and immediately go over to the shopping section and then go through and convert. So you've now brought down your conversion rate of your website, even though it's a success because now you're driving more acquisition and more awareness to your site through what you're doing on the blog. Or for example, if you're in charge or have control over some of the paid media, paid media tends to always have um, lower performing traffic. And that's just the nature of it. So if you start turning down certain campaigns or spending less, all of a sudden your conversion rate will start going up, but your overall revenue and transactions you're making will also go down. So if you're too hyper-focused on the conversion rate or you don't know how to focus on measuring a conversion rate that actually matters, um, that can actually be very misleading. And it's actually one of the things that I wish Google would, would actually kind of reinvent. Why isn't there a user conversion rate that tells me how many new users or users are coming to the site divided by how many transactions that occur? It feels like a, a no-brainer. So that's one of the things I'm constantly asking for um, when I have a chance to submit product feedback. Nice, nice. Let's talk about that a little bit. And I've got a comment here too, because I, I love that you brought this up. But so what you're looking for is a metric to see what the conversion rate is for new users. Is that what you said? I would love it. New users or existing users, right? So you're always going to have your users that are going to purchase multiple times. But GA, you know, Google Analytics promotes itself as a user-centric platform. And they did that about three years ago when they released Universal Analytics. Um, until recently, users was only ever in a single report inside of Google Analytics, which was the audience overview. There wasn't a single other report in the platform where users actually appeared. Luckily, this is changing. So in the coming weeks and months, Google's actually rolling out users everywhere, which is really exciting. So you actually start to see users in every report and my fingers are crossed that we'll start to see that users start to appear in our transactions, our goals, and our conversions, because I don't think in, in the way digital works that session-based metrics are really um, as successful or really work anymore. Um, so I'm really looking for that user level. Great. And, and so let, let's explain that just a little bit for, for those that are maybe partially understanding or, or, or having trouble connecting the dots. So a lot of Google Analytics is session-based. And so the same user could have multiple sessions because sessions usually time out after 30 minutes, right? So there could be a user could have multiple sessions. So if you're just tracking based on sessions, that's not that helpful. So yeah. kind of make it clear, how, how would having users in every area of GA make it more useful, more actionable? Perfect. Let's, let's, let's use that exact example. So I am... Um, get served an ad um, when I'm searching for some product information. And I click on that ad in the morning and I come to the website, I read about the product and then I leave. And as you mentioned, that session will end generally after 30 minutes. That's how all analytics tools work. And then maybe when I come home from work that evening, I remember that I was researching that product and now I'm ready to purchase. So now I come back to the site and then I go through and I purchase that product. So in this example, that's two visits or sessions. Sessions and visits can be used interchangeably. And if you think about a conversion rate, since those are based off of visits, my conversion rate for my website now is 50%. But in actuality for me, just as, a, as, a, as an analyst, right, 
if I feel like my conversion rate is a hundred percent because that user came, I acquired them and then they went through and they purchased. So it's really challenging in, in many of the analytics tools to actually do it at a user level. So that's what we're talking about here. The way Google does it today is it's based off of visits. And sometimes it can be misleading, especially if there's a lot of visits that end up leading to an eventual conversion. Yeah, that's great. That's great. I appreciate you explaining that. And I 100% agree. So do we know when user data is going to be available everywhere in GA and how, how quickly that will be? Any insights there? So it started its initial rollout. Um, so I think it's at like 1% or so. And that's, that's how Google does many of their rollouts. They do it in a percentage-based. So um, as long as there's no issues with it, hopefully in the coming weeks, it'll start to roll out very, very dramatically. Great. So back to what you said about, about conversion rate being, and I don't know that we can call it a worthless metric because it does have applications. You just have to measure it the right way, right? So it is an important metric, but the way we measure it and the way you think about it really matters, right? So I, I run into this quite a bit and you, you kind of alluded to it, but we'll have some clients that will come to us and say, hey, we're, you know, we're running uh, Google AdWords right now. We're getting like a 12% conversion rate. This is e-commerce. Getting 12% conversion rate on e-commerce. We think that's pretty good. And, and my response is, well, yeah, it's off the charts. You know, e-commerce is typically 1% to 3%. But then I dig in and I say, well, all you're doing is focusing on your brand name, right? You only have a brand campaign. So these are people that are looking for you specifically. So, of course, it's going to be a really high conversion rate. Uh, so our goal is going to be to get that conversion rate down, right? If you started that and said, well, we want to maintain that conversion rate. Well, that's, oh that's silly. that would be silly, right? So you want to, we want to drive more traffic and get more sales. And in the process, that conversion rate is going to go down. Uh, kind of the same advice I remember I got when I was uh, early in my sales career back in, in offline media. I remember hearing someone brag about their conversion rate and uh, an old salty dog of a sales guy said, well, then you're just not talking to enough people. Uh, and so it's just you're, you're not being aggressive enough in, in trying to bring in new people if your conversion rate's too high. So anyway, that's a, that's a kind of a, an alternative perspective on conversion rate. So glad you brought that up as well. Any, any other worthless metrics that we need to either stop measuring or think about differently? No, I, I think that's, that's the key. And, and back to your point about the, the brand campaigns with that 13% conversion, you'd actually be surprised on how often that happens. Um, many of the clients we work with have agencies which run all of their media. Um, and that's another mistake where you put your full trust in that agency. And many of them are really good, but there's always mistakes that are made. And I've seen this more times than I should, where it's exactly that, where the agency is reporting metrics that make them look great. They have great conversion rates, they're getting great return, and then when you go and dig into what they're doing, exactly what you said, almost all of their spend and budget is to brand versus non-brand. And when you actually do the analysis, a large portion of that brand, there's always the conversation of what percentage would have converted anyway. And there's some, some interesting ways to analyze that. But regardless, it's exactly that. They're, they're not really doing anything for that particular client or trying new strategies. Right, right. Um, right. So I, I see that exactly. Yeah, and we, and we like brand campaigns. I think they're necessary. I think there's a reason for them. But if that's all you're doing, geez, you know, that, that's, that's kind of cheating. Exactly. <laughs> the, way, the way I look at it. So, uh, so we talked about worthless metrics. What about some really important metrics? So the metrics that if you can measure these and harness these, it'll give you tremendous insight. So 
I think the most important metric, and these ones are going to be much more challenging to, to actually get, but for, for any e-commerce business, you know, I think the life of being successful is the ability to acquire new customers. So instead of just reporting uh, overall transactions in a given period, there needs to be a huge emphasis on kind of what's the new net new customer acquisition. And then off of your new customers, you need to have the ability to understand how you're able to actually retain them on an ongoing basis. And some of that you can do in Google Analytics and some of it it's not, you're not going to really be able to do it in the free version. You're going to need an enterprise tool like Google Analytics 360 or Adobe Analytics um, um, because retention tends to be a uh, much harder. And we, we can get into that. But that new customer acquisition is, is really going to be an essential point. And then tying that again to that returning and then getting into kind of the lifetime value and that revenue per, per order. Those are some of the key metrics that I see as kind of the most important. So looking at net new customers, how would you potentially go about doing that in, in the free version of GA? And I, I know we can't, without visuals, we can't necessarily talk on, you know, click, click this, then this. But, but in general, how, how do you set that up? Because it, I'm sure what you're talking about is not available right out of the box with GA. Yeah, so there's a few different ways, and maybe we'll get just a bit technical if I can here. Sure, so do it. The, 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 the easiest way is knowing how analytics tools define users. So the default way a user is defined is it's when someone visits for the first time, a cookie's created and is stored in the browser, and then as long as they come back and that cookie is still present, they'll, they'll still be the same user and then they're returning user and not new. So in knowing that, you can use that as a proxy and focus on the new user metric, which is available inside of Google Analytics, and then look at what percentage of those new users are actually going through and then purchasing. But again, this is where these user metrics are really important to have because when we're talking about conversion rate, and that conversion rate where I had two visits, right? The second visit converted because they converted on the second visit and they're returning. That's the definition of that metric. So when I'm doing an attribution of that metric, it actually looks like a returning user converted, not a new user converted. So for that, like one of the things you can do in Google Analytics is for me, what differentiates you from a beginner Google Analytics user and an intermediate or advanced Google Analytics user is your ability to use advanced segments. And advanced segments in Google are how you define audiences or cohorts and then filter the entire platform to give you the insights of what that audience is doing. So what you should be doing is creating an audience, and there's already actually one built for you, of new users, and then looking at what those new users are, are able to do. And if they're converting or they're doing the things in between that conversion to lead them there. So that's one of the first things. You would be using the advanced segments and then analyzing what percentage of those new users are going through and doing that transaction. So that's how you could do it in the free version of Google Analytics. It just requires a little bit of work. That's fantastic. That, that's really, really good. And then let's do talk about retention. I, I think that is extremely valuable, worth talking about. And, and so, so explain what that is and, and how you might measure it and, and even you know, if, when you would need something more advanced rather than just the free version of GA. Yeah, so I, I'll be fairly, I think I can be fairly honest about the limitations that sure, exist in the platform. So um, retention. So what that's going to look like in Google Analytics by default is, again, it's just that cookie. 
So the retention is the ability for you to have someone with that same cookie, that same user come back and purchase again. So really, Google Analytics is not going to do a, a really good job at analyzing the true retention that you need to report on at all. Um, you can do a much better job of that in Google Analytics if you're able to identify who that user actually is. So Google Analytics has a feature called user ID tracking, where if you have an ID of a user, so for example, if they log in or authenticate it into your website, or if you're sending them an email, you know who they are, and if you pass an ID of that user in that email, Google can grab that ID and then actually change the definition of that user from that cookie to that ID. And that actually gives us the ability to do cross-device um, and user-based analysis off of your definition of a user. Um, but that's going to be based off of your definition of supplying that identifier. So really, um, th that's, again, a great place to start. But the best retention data you're going to have is going to be inside of your e-commerce platform itself because that's where you're actually going to have your customer names or address. You'll have um, the information to deduplicate them and actually know authoritatively who they are and if they're coming back again. So that's where, again, I'm, I'm looking for Google hopefully to release some features in the free version to do integrations with some of the actual um, um, backend um, data platforms. So that's so CR, CRMs and things like that. Exactly. So in the free version, there's no really good way to do that other than that, that proxy. So you need to go into your own data sets outside of GA to do that analysis. In the enterprise version of Google Analytics, which is Google Analytics 360, which I think we'll talk about later, there is the ability to do CRM integrations because that's the only place Google gives you access to the raw data to put inside of your data warehouse and then do that analysis and that combination. So for the free version that most of you are using, honestly, you, you can't do that inside of Google Analytics. You need to be looking at doing it somewhere else. And I actually see a lot of people try and that's where they kind of fail and struggle and eventually they'll figure it out. So hopefully you can take my advice and my mistakes and make sure you're reporting on those key metrics kind of outside of the platform itself. Yeah, so I think it's actually a good, good segue. Well, let's talk about Analytics 360 and, and then is the enterprise version. Uh, some, some benefits of that, some drawbacks, I'm sure there's complexity as well. And, and when should someone really start considering that? So the person that's always been on the free version of GA, when should they consider 360? Yeah, so the, the first thing, um, so I, I'll share. I mean, the first thing is pricing. So the pricing of that enterprise platform is around $100,000 to $200,000 per year. So immediately that's going to make it more mid or enterprise level businesses uh, just because of the cost itself. But when you would consider going to Google Analytics 360 is a, a few key reasons. The first is, Every free product has limitations. That's why they're free. So when you're hitting the limits in the free version, specifically around usually sampling. So the free version of Google Analytics has sampling that occurs if you have over 500,000 visits in a given date range and you go in and you segment some of your reports. In the enterprise version, sampling effectively goes away. So that ability to get raw, granular, um, and, and trust that data um, is a huge reason many of those enterprises upgrade. 
And then the additional reasons just really quickly are that, that business intelligence integration. So the access to the raw data to do CRM integrations is huge. Um, there's also different advertising integrations. So if you're using DoubleClick as a platform, there's a DoubleClick integration with Google Analytics where you can share audiences and click and conversion data between one another, which is huge. And then the third reason is oftentimes the, uh, the product actually includes professional services. The free version has no support, but the enterprise version does. And then that also includes additional features like data-driven attribution, um, enhanced pathing and funnel features, um, more custom dimensions and metrics. So really, you would consider Google Analytics 360 as a summary once you've maximized your value out of the free version of Google Analytics and you've started to hit the limits um, and you're not able to get what you want out of it. Then that's when you start looking at more options like the, the enterprise version. Totally makes sense, and I, and I think that that should be hopefully music to most people's ears. You know, if, if anyone got the immediate sticker shock of a hundred to two hundred thousand dollars a year for enterprise GA, you know, that, that's not going to fit for everybody. Uh, even larger companies may not want to make that investment or may not be able to. But I, I think what you just said is huge. That you look at it one when it makes sense and when you want all those other integrations, but also when you've maxed out GA, the free version, and so. Let's talk about that. What are some what are some little known GA hacks or enhancements? And I know we've already talked about several, but what are what are some little known things in GA that, that if you use right now, it would be instantly more useful for you? I, I love this question. So I'm going to make this one all about e-commerce because I love love talking about it. So for this, um, to, to actually the last question. Google Analytics is, is one of the most widely used tools. It's on over 60% of the internet because it's one of the only free platforms. And what most people don't realize is it's an enterprise level tool. Like that enterprise version of analytics we talked about, it's the same login, it's the same interface, it's the exact same version as free, it's just got additional enhancements on top of it. So it's still an enterprise level tool. And with that, there's a lot of features and integrations and abilities that it has that most people just don't know about. Um, and I, I don't think Google maybe has done as great of a job as it should in surfacing those. So what I would recommend as far as the, the greatest ways to make it useful. So first, if you're an e-commerce client today, you have to be using the enhanced e-commerce module in Google Analytics. And enhanced e-commerce is a new set of e-commerce capabilities and reports that Google released, I think, about three years ago now, where they've completely redone the abilities as far as e-commerce. So the old e-commerce reports really just told you how many products are being purchased and how many transactions occur. When you try and do product funnels or product merchandising or simply want to see add to carts or move to carts, and product interactions in the same report, it's really impossible to do in the old reports. So this new enhanced e-commerce is free. You can use it today. It does require you to go in and add some more code to your website. But what enhanced e-commerce allows you to do for the first time is actually have meaningful funnels. So you can set up funnels for the shipping billing review. You can also set up product merchandising funnels. And when I talk about product merchandising, this module actually allows you to track things like product impressions. 
So how many times are people seeing products versus clicking on them? So you have product click-through rates. You also have the ability to track product lists. So if you're an e-commerce site and have categories like t-shirts or men's t-shirts or women's t-shirts, you can actually track how many times those lists are viewed versus clicked on and ultimately how much revenue is being driven to the list the product originated on. And deeper, even yet, you can measure which product performed best in which position in that list. So if you wanted to try changing product one and product two and see if that had a change in revenue or engagement, you can actually do this inside of the module. And then there's all sorts of other features in there like product refunds, there's product promotions. So if you're, if you're tracking um, different call to actions on the website, like discount codes or um, buy one, get ones, you can track impressions and revenue generating from that. So that's a huge feature that I don't see many e-commerce clients using. And that's immediate value in going in and putting the time and implementing it. So that's the first one. Yeah, huge fans of enhanced e-commerce. I was so excited. I remember when that was first released and we were uh, totally geeking out about it. it. It does require a little bit of extra implementation, though you're right. And so not everybody is, is fully harnessing that. Actually, most people are not fully harnessing that. Um, uh, what, what else? Any other hacks or little-known improvements that you should be making to, to GA? So the other one that's huge is, again, about two years ago or so, Google finally released custom metrics. And custom metrics was huge, but it became even more important when they then followed it with calculated metrics. So custom metrics and calculated metrics allow you to effectively go in and create your own metrics. So one of the most challenging things that Google has, has had as a platform has been in reporting, right? So if I wanted to, as an example, report how many times videos were played on my website, the traditional way of doing it is you'd add an event and then your report would actually show a metric called total events and the event category would have something called video and the action would be video plays. And I probably already confused you and that's exactly the problem. No one knows what total events or event category, event action is. What custom metrics allow you to do is to define what the metric actually is. So you can actually say video play as a metric and then in GA, it'll have a counter against that. So you can have a, a dashboard or a report where you actually have video plays or checkout starts or um, any of that in there. So the interesting ways you can use this for e-commerce is as an example, maybe you want to start tracking um, the lost revenue from your cart. Or maybe you want to start tracking, again, um, for a form, you want to track the conversion rate of a form. So what you can do with this is you could set up a custom metric for form submission. You could set up a custom metric for form view, and then you could create a calculated metrics to calculate how many times the form was viewed versus submitted, or how many times it was submitted versus submitted successfully. So that right there is huge because oftentimes many clients aren't measuring failed form submissions in Google Analytics. Right. And, and having that as a metric to tell you when things are wrong is huge. So those calculated metrics and custom metrics, super easy to use and implement and something I would definitely recommend looking at. Awesome. And, and where, where can you navigate to that section in GA? How can you get to the custom reports and calculated metrics? So the easiest way for anything in Google versus me telling you how to find it is just to search for it in Google. So just Google, Google Analytics, custom metrics or calculated metrics, and they have a great help center. 
um, which will tell you exactly where to go to. It's in the admin section and properties. Um, if, if you already know how to get there. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Uh, okay. So I'm excited about this question, uh, cause this is, I know an interesting one and one that could be debated for hours amongst analytics nerds. Uh, I, I just got back from, from the Google headquarters a few months ago. I got to go out and visit uh, our reps there and, and hang out at the campus, which was really fun. But we spent some time talking about attribution modeling and one of our reps is even, uh, looking at going into just working on the attribution team, which I, I encouraged him to do. I thought that'd be fun. But what what attribution model do you prefer and why? And, and just to back up and explain what that is, the attribution model is basically how are you going to assign credit for a conversion? So if someone purchases, you know, there's usually that path to purchase. So multiple clicks, multiple visits. You know, how do you assign credit? Do you give that to the first click, the last click, somewhere in the middle, so in combination? Um, so anyway, there, there, there are different options for attribution modeling. What's your preference? And I, I'm sure it probably varies or can vary depending on the client, but uh, what do you prefer? Again, we could talk about this for hours. Yeah. So I think my, my friend, um, Jeff Sauer, who is, is one of the leaders in the space for kind of talking about adverse and Google Analytics, he spoke at a conference recently and the title of his speech was attribution is bullshit. And <laughs> That's great. I, I kind of, I, I, I spent a lot of time thinking about it and I actually really kind of completely agree to, to a point. So the reason why this is an important topic and why I brought this up is everyone's asking what the right attribution model is and what we should be using. And it, all of the platforms like Google and Adobe are, are bringing in data-driven models and giving the ability to model different things and compare them. But the reality is, in probably 90% of the brands and companies that I talk with, they can't answer foundational questions around why attribution even matters for their business. So what I would encourage everyone that's listening to this to do is start with basic questions. And the first one is, does attribution even matter for your particular business? Because the reality is, if your business has a model where the average conversion happens in a single visit, then it doesn't matter what attribution model you use, they're all going to be the same. And if you can't show that the average user actually is coming from multiple sources, then none of this really matters. So for Google Analytics specifically, the first place you should start is, is actually with multi-channel funnels. And it's in the free standard version today. And multi-channel funnels is a report, it's a linear attribution model where you can actually see every touch point that leads to a conversion. And that conversion is anything that you want to define, a goal like a form submission or a transaction or something simple like a video play. And also in those reports are some really key insights that you can have in seconds. So the first question that I ask just kind of as an exploration is, for your business, can you tell me today, what is the average number of days it takes someone between when they first see your website and visit versus when they actually go through and convert? Is it a single day? Is it a week? Or is it somewhere in between? And on top of that, can you tell me how many touch points it actually takes before a user finally goes through and converts? Is it one? Is it two or more? Is it 10 or more? And if you can't tell me those basic questions, then it's not going to matter what model we pick. We have to start there. So in those multi-channel funnels reports, there's actually a report called time decay or time lag. 
And there's also one for touch points where it'll actually tell you on average exactly how many touch points and days it takes before someone goes through and does that journey. So that's where I would encourage you to start is by answering those questions and bringing that to the business to show them why attribution matters and what the potential repercussions are for not using the right models. Because if you can show what percentage are overlapping, that's the percentage that you're likely maybe misattributing by relying on first or last click. So my favorite model right now is multi-channel funnels, which is the linear model, because in that model, that's where we start to get those really valuable insights. And many of the businesses I work with can't even answer those basic questions. Um, so that's where I highly recommend starting. And in those, in those reports, you'll start to be able to answer questions like, where does organic um, come into play with our paid ads on AdWords? Is it organic first, then AdWords? Is it AdWords first, then organic? And how do the specific campaigns or creative influence? So how do our branding campaigns work with the remarketing campaigns? Is there an overlap or is there no overlap at all? So that's where you can go to start to get those basic insights and then hopefully have some maturation. And then that's where the fun comes of talking with different models or deciding on something else. Um, but I think we all agree that first click and last click aren't the models that we should be using. What the actual model is, is, is the fun question that I don't think anyone's answered yet. Right. And, and there is no one size fits all. I, I do believe that. I, I totally agree with you where if you look and say, hey, 90% of our converters convert on the first visit, well, then it's not really going to matter, you know, which, which attribution model you use because they're all, they are all going to be the same. Uh, but I do like the multi-channel funnel and just beginning to understand that and dig into that is great. Um, for those, and because we need to move on, there are a couple other things I want to talk about and, and we're running short on time, but any resources you'd recommend for that topic specifically for attribution modeling, uh, looking at the multi-channel funnels, any, any resources you'd recommend? Yeah, so there's great material. So if you're looking to get deeper into Google Analytics, the best resources are Lunametrics. Lunametrics has a blog on almost everything you would ever be interested in. Um, Jeff Sauer, who I mentioned, he's got some online training and a great blog with resources into it. And then um, the and, and I'll link to I'll link to that in the show notes. But how do you spell his last name? Uh, S-A-U-E-R, okay. Jeff Sauer. And then Analytics Pros, and I got my own blog, Charles Farina. We've got great, great resources as well. And then there's always the Google Analytics Academy and the Google Analytics Help Center, which are just great resources to get into that as well. So awesome. those those are the go-to. Awesome. And I'll, I'll, I'll link to each of those in the in the show notes at ecommerceevolution.com. So check that out. Uh, but speaking of attribution, uh, there is a new tool. And I, and I mentioned my, my uh, Google rep was talking about potentially joining this team or exploring it or whatever. But uh, what is the new attribution tool? Because I, I, if I remember right, you got to be there when it debuted. So what is the what are the rumors? What, what's potentially going to happen with this new attribution product? And, and why is it going to exist? So Google has a tool called Google Attribution. Also, Attribution 360 is the paid version of that tool. So like all of the Google products in the Google Analytics 360 suite, um, there's almost always a paid and a free version of each. So this attribution tool, uh, I got to um, see at the Google Marketing Next conference where they released it. And it was a fun experience for me. There's also a live stream. So some of you might have actually saw it. 
Um, but the product manager, uh, Bill McKee, came on stage and said, Google has solved attribution. Dun, dun. I hope many of you are, are doing the smile or, or laugh because <laughs> it's, I think that's a, a, little, a little much. But I think what's unique about what Google has to offer in the attribution space is some unique advantages it has versus anyone else, specifically around cross-device attribution. So the challenge when we talk about cross-device goes back to the definition of a user we started with um, in the beginning, which is there's that cookie uh, that's created, right? And if you come on a different device, it's going to create a new cookie. So how in the world can we make that be the same user when we know it's the same person? So what Google has to offer is Google has the ability to supply one of the largest cross-device graphs of users versus any other provider, maybe outside of ISPs, um, that exists. And that's because on every device, at some point, you're most likely logged into Google in some way, shape, or form, whether that's Android, you're uh, logged into YouTube, or your own Gmail account. So what Google is going to have to offer, and it's going to be interesting to watch this evolve in the attribution space, is potentially opening up the ability for cross-device insights based off of their definition of a user, which is someone logged into their product in some way, shape, or form, which is going to far exceed anyone's ability on their own to do cross-device stitching uh, of those particular users. So what's, what's going to be really great is that product, I think, is going to have some unique features on that. And then if you're investing in AdWords or DoubleClick, um, there's going to be direct integrations for all that cost and engagement-based information into that tool. So that attribution product is going to be fun to, to watch evolve. If I was guessing, um, based off of how Google kind of launched the 360 suite last or the last few years, I'm not thinking it's going to be available for quite some time. It was mostly just the announcement. So it'll be exciting to, to watch that come out and evolve. Got it. Got it. Okay, so we'll keep our eyes and ears open. We'll watch the Analytics Pros blog and the Charles Farina blog to see uh, when, when there's some new announcements on that product. So um, let's kind of wrap up. And, and Charles has been phenomenal. I am, I am, I've always been excited about data because it, it, I know that the difference it makes. Um, but talk about some of your, you know, maybe one of your favorite stories of how getting analytics correct, both in the implementation and in the evaluation, led to great business decisions. And, and this is one of those things where I think, uh, and, and pick whatever story you want, but you know, often when you when you have good data, you're able to to mine it and then and then realize, man, my assumption on what was working was all wrong, and so we we shifted gears and and now we're actually doing the things that drive conversions. But any any favorite story of how analytics changed the business? So I think my favorite story is you know analytics are all numbers, so the ability to be a successful analyst and and really do anything with that data is your ability to convince other people and have your research and your numbers to back up um, what what you think is is actually going to work or not. So one of my favorite stories is is a client we worked with where they were working with Google Analytics and we were going in and we were kind of doing a strategy of where they are, what they're trying to do, what their challenges are. And when, when I work with a client, I go all in on that client, meaning I become a customer. So I'll sign up for all the emails, 
I'll purchase a product. I'll, I'll try and really become a, a brand advocate and a loyalist because I feel like that, that what makes me effective at, at being able to tell stories and actually know what's happening. So for this particular client, one of the challenges and, and, and themes we kept hearing was it was really hard um, to figure out how different marketing efforts were working together. And in fact, one of the things we found out from our on-site session with the client was they had a commission model, which was actually based off of last click attribution from Google Analytics. So they were actually paying salaries and commission based off of what traffic source brought a user in last. And all I did is kind of step back and look at what was actually happening for that customer. And if you looked at the marketing, which was being done on paid and email and social all of it was essentially um, a, a last effort to get that user to click and immediately convert. So they were all using discount codes and coupons and remarketing efforts and really just bombarding each, each other with the, the last efforts. So none of them were really focused on acquisition-based efforts. And all you had to do is take a step back and look at it and be like, you cannot pay commission on a last-click model because all you're doing is incentivizing each of your teams to not really do what's best and what's in the customer or the business's interest, but to do what's going to motivate um, the best for the most amount of, of salary. So we worked with that client, and that's an attribution story, of taking that and then analyzing what was really happening. So how many touches were happening, what was working in that model, and then building a more weighted model to pay out different commission if something was first or in the middle or last, so not incentivizing each channel on being last and focusing more on collaboration between those teams. So that's still ongoing. It's not something you change overnight, but it's the focus of taking something from a last model to making it more of a collaboration and, and starting to build that communication between those different teams. Yeah, I mean, sometimes changing the way you look at data almost requires like a culture change in the business, which sounds like that's what kind of happened here. But what's so interesting about that is that model means we're going to pay you based on bottom of funnel performance. We, all we care about is bottom of funnel, right? Because that's what's what that is, last click, just bottom of funnel. But that's really detrimental to your business if you ignore the top and middle of the funnel when someone's just becoming aware of your brand or in the evaluation stage, you know, not ready to, to purchase yet. And so uh, good for you, man, for identifying that and then being able to use the data and be persuasive and say, hey, we've got we to incentivize customer growth and and building the brand rather than just bottom of funnel. That's that's brilliant. Awesome. Well, Charles, this has been fantastic. Super helpful. I hope everyone is motivated to go out and say, okay, no more using GA just like it is. I'm going to start customizing it and looking at advanced segments and using enhanced e-commerce and figuring out what some of these things are that I don't fully understand yet, figuring out what they mean. And so what are the best ways for people to connect with you? So I know you mentioned your blog and the Analytics Pros website, which we'll link to, but should people connect with you on, on social or anywhere else or, or mainly just the blogs? Yeah, I love Twitter. So Twitter is probably where I'm most active. Um, yeah, and then LinkedIn as well, if anyone's into that, building my, building my network. Um, but yeah, would love, love to talk more with anyone. Fantastic. Well, Charles, thank you so much. Uh, Charles Freen, everybody, go check him out online get more of this analytics wisdom. Uh, and as always, thank you for tuning in. Uh, let us know what you'd like to learn more of. Uh, let us, you know, give us some honest feedback. We'd love a, a review on iTunes as always. And with that, 
Thank you for tuning in. At OMG Commerce, we accelerate growth for some of the most loved brands in e-commerce, like Boom, Native, True Earth, Overtone, and dozens more. If your Google and YouTube ad performance isn't where it should be, if you're struggling with Performance Max, or if you're not scaling like you'd like on Amazon, then we have two ways to help. One, we have amazing resources that are free for the taking, like our top YouTube ads guide with lots of examples, our PMAX checklist, or our Amazon DSP roadmap, plus many more. Or hit us up for a free strategy session. So go on over to omgcommerce.com and click on Let's Talk to request that free strategy session or click on Resources and Guides and pick the guide that's right for you. And now back to the show.